right. Hey, I like that music. <laughs> I hope you're doing okay today. I hope your team won. Yeah. Those of you from Clemson and Georgia, you're feeling good. Those of you from South Carolina and Florida, you need Jesus today, and that's why you're here. And so hopefully we'll help you. You know, uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, called Wise Guy. And it's gonna be about a four-week kind of character study of the wisest man in the Bible, wisest man other than Jesus, probably whoever lives, Solomon. And uh, we'll be reading from Proverbs and also taking his story from some of the other books that uh, talk about him. And I thought, here's something I'd like to do. I'd like to issue a wise guy challenge to everybody at the beginning of this series. Now, what does that mean? You know what? Proverbs, I think, is the best, one of the best books ever written. And I think it's the best business book out there. Um, if you're a business person, uh, you can benefit so much from the uh, wisdom and insight from Solomon. I think it's the best relational book, relationship book out there. And so what I wanna do is I wanna challenge you that during this series, about 28 days, we'll, we'll do it for 31, um, Read a, a chapter a day from Proverbs. Start like today on, just do the day of the month. This is the 9th of September. And so uh, look up Proverbs 9 and, and read that today and ask God to speak to you from it and, and go through until the end of the month and then start over at beginning until we do it for 30, uh, 31 days. How many of you will join me and you'll take the wise guy challenge, put your hand up above, uh, elbow up above your ear. Remember last year? Okay, last week. All right, good. And all over the campuses, you're doing the same thing and we'll do it together. All right, so what's the best, absolute all time, best piece of advice that you've ever received? Okay. Believe in God, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> what's the best all time? That's a great one, you probably can't time. Top that one. You got it in mind? Maybe your mom told you or friend told you or you heard somewhere, best piece of advice. I, I remember my brother who was here this weekend. I was, I was having a, a, I was gonna say an argument, but I was just, I was educating someone on something and, <laughs> and he heard me doing it. And he said, Here, here's a piece of advice for you. He said, never wrestle with a pig because the pig loves it and you'll both get dirty. How do you know that's true? Just might as well not do it. All right, so, so here's 10 that will help you. All right, here's 10 pieces of advice. Number one, buy a plunger before you need a plunger. How many of you know <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. That's good, all right? Uh, don't ruin a good apology with an excuse. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Uh, if you keep comparing your life to someone else, you'll never be happy. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Isn't that good? Somebody needs to write that down. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. Short-term thinking. Uh, get it working first and then make enhancements. Anybody have a testimony on that? You're only seeing everybody else's highlight reel. Okay, how have you know on social media, good advice, you're, you're just seeing their highlight reel, all right? Living well is the best revenge, that's good. Giving up is almost always easier than holding on. That's good advice. If you blame it on someone else, don't expect to get it to get better. Isn't that good? I mean, if you want it to get better, don't be blamed because it may not. And here's the best one. Be friends with people who own boats, okay? That's good <laughs> advice. 
That's me. I don't own a boat, but I have lots of good friends. All right. So the wisest guy in the history of the world, other than Jesus, gave his son the best advice that's ever been given. How many of you think that would be good stuff to know? Okay. One person back here thinks maybe you're just scratching your nose, but I'll take anything right now. The wisest guy who ever lived gives his son the single best piece of advice. It's like he's saying, here's all this wisdom I've collected. Now I'm gonna give you the one single best piece of advice. How do you think that'd be helpful to know? Okay, I think so. So, so what is it? Here it is, right here. Above all else, can you say above all else? That means more than anything else, more important than anything else. Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your, far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Best piece of advice, ab- above all else. It's simple but profound. And what I wanna do is I wanna take that and just teach on it. And, and I've called the message, um, how to have the best day ever, best day ever. How you could use some better days? Anybody use some better days? I had a, I had a bad day this week. A um, few months ago, or no, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine who is a fly fishing guide in Montana gave me a brand new fly rod, okay? Brand new fly rod, and a, a nice one. And so I brought it home, and... I took it out of the package, put it together, and just went out and practiced just a little bit on a pond that's close to our house. And so the next day, I was gonna go, go try it out for real, see if I could catch a fish with it. So I parked it right by the door inside our house. Now, we have a vacuum cleaner that is um, one of these self-propelled deals. You guys familiar with those? It's called a Roomba, I think. It's like a little robot about like this. They're just incredible. You tell them when you want it to vacuum, you do it while you're away, while you're at work, and they go and they vacuum your house, and it's just a really cool little deal. I got home on Thursday from work, and the Roomba had actually eaten my fly rod. In fact, here's the wire and all that, and that's no problem, you can get new uh, wire, but the rod's broken in half. I wanted to throw the Roomba. Wanted to destroy it. It's worse than a dog. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you love dogs. That's awesome. But um, then I thought that would make this a really expensive bad day if I did that. (laughs) It's a bad day, you know. But I believe, here's what I believe. I believe that if we apply the wisdom from this package, we're gonna have better days. We have a better day, you have a better week and a better month and a better year. And ultimately, you'll have a better life. And so, above all else, above all else, let's take this passage and let's learn some things. How can I, how can I apply this to, to bad days, to good days? How can I have a better day? And, and, and here's the first one, it's just simply guard your heart. Guard your heart. He says, he says, above all else, say above all else with me. Above all else, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. You know, when I was thinking about that passage and how do I teach this this week, because it's simple, not easy, but it's very profound. Guard your heart. 
I thought, what does a guard do? What does a guard do? A guard lets the right things in and keeps the wrong things out, right? So a little over a year ago, I got a phone call and got an invitation to have dinner with, um, w- with an Irish lead singer in an Irish band that apparently still have, hasn't found what they're looking for. And, and um, so he said, I, I want you to come and, and have dinner with me, and then I want you to come to one of my concerts. Now, we're gonna have the concert with or without you, uh, and it's gonna be uh, in a stadium in Dallas on a street with no name. Uh, I've wanted to drop this name for like over a year, uh, Bono. But anyway, so, <laughs> so, so, so I went, and we had a wonderful dinner, and, and, and then went to the concert. And what he said is, he, he said that you're, you're gonna be in a place uh, where the only people that are gonna let in are friends and family of the band. And so you've gotta wear this, this wrist, wristband, it'll be right up front. And uh, so I put the wristband on and I w- went to where I was supposed to go and there was a guard there. You know what the job of the guard was? Was to let the right people in and keep the riffraff out. Well, I've never been anything but riffraff. How, how many of you have ever snuck into something that you should not have been? You were riffraff, put, put your arm up high, okay? <laughs> That's me, I've gotten into all kind of fun things, but never legally, you know, and so, and so now I'm somebody, not because of me, but because of the, the band that I was wearing. I, th- I, I thought about that for two reasons. Number one, I thought it made a good illustration and I wanted to drop a name. <laughs> but that's what guards do. Guards keep the wrong thing or wrong people out and let the right things in. And so as you apply it to this scripture, When you're guarding your heart, what should you keep out? Because out of it flows the the issues of life. And Ephesians chapter four and verse 31 is very specific about what you ought to guard your heart against. It says, get rid of, say get rid of, all bitterness. Yeah. Guard your heart against bitterness. And rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Guard your heart because bitterness will ruin your day. Bitterness will ruin your week, it will poison your month, and ultimately it will suck the life out of your life. In fact, this verse right here, Hebrews 12 and verse 15 says, look after each other. It's talking to you and I, talking to the church. He says, look, watch for each other, just look after each other, that none of you fails to receive the grace of God, watch out for one another that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. No poisonous root. How many of you have ever done a garden? Anybody ever done a garden? Okay. How many of you ever had weeds in your garden? Everybody, everybody. Everybody always has, there's always weeds in the garden. And in the same way, if you're alive, check your pulse. If you're alive, you're gonna, you're gonna have opportunity to be bitter, okay? There's gonna be bitter weeds that grow in the soil of your life. Now, when they're like this and when you're able just to pull them out, then you can deal with them. It's not, it's not the fact that you have weeds, that you have bitterness, that's not unusual. If you deal with it, 
You can, it, it's okay, but if you let it go, it'll, it'll choke the life. There, there'll be no fruit that comes out of your garden. And in the same way, the garden of your life, if you allow a root of bitterness, poisonous bitterness in your heart, if you don't guard your heart and you allow it in, it will choke the life out of the fruit. There'll be no fruit. It'll choke the, the life out of you. And here's what's interesting about bitterness, and this is why we need a community, is because you're usually the last person to know that you're bitter. In fact, if somebody points it out, you get mad. Isn't that true? Somebody says to you, I think you're a little bit bitter. I'm not bitter. Come here, I'll show you what bitter is, you know. And if we truly understood, if we truly understood that we all get bitter, how do you get bitter? Something doesn't go your way. So you, you think somebody gets a better shake than you. She always gets all the breaks, you know. Or if you're in relationship, there's a rub. And listen, when you've got conflict in relationship, it's never 100% right, 0% wrong. It could be as high as, I've seen it occasionally, as high as 90-10. But usually it's about 65-35 or 45-55, it's in that realm. And so what happens is when you have any kind of conflict at all, you're both, you're both gonna get weeds. You're both gonna get bitter, okay? You're, you're gonna get bitter weeds. And if you understood that those bitter weeds are poisonous and they will totally suck the life out of you, here's what you do. If your friend or neighbor says, I think there's some bitterness, you'd go, oh, please, 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 please help me. Let's get rid of the bitterness before it poisons me, our relationship, and everybody. Does that make sense? So what we've got, we've got to see it as huge and we've got to guard our heart. We cannot let any bitterness in because it will, it will dis destroy. Rage and anger is something else that the scripture said that will ruin your day. You've gotta put a guard, you gotta keep a guard against it. How do you know you're, you're, if you're just upset, we all get upset, or if you have an anger problem? There's a difference. Everybody gets upset. Some people have an anger problem. How do you know? Do you find yourself getting mad over little things? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You can't control your fingers. Or you just, you get, you know. In the parking lot at Seacoast, I've seen that. <laughs> it's gonna get worse when we move into a 2,500 seat auditorium, get ready. Or, you know, you're, you're in line at a grocery store and you find yourself counting the number of products in the cart in front of you. It's 23, the sign says 20. You know, and you're just boiling over that stuff you probably have an anger problem. You find yourself interrupting other people. You're constantly interrupting. It's anger problem, probably. Do you rant a lot? Politics, you just rant, 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 rant. You have an anger problem. Or even if it's about something as innocuous as sports, you have an anger problem. You just rant, 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 okay? Do you hold grudges? If you're gonna have a great day, You've gotta keep bitterness and anger and rage out. You gotta guard, no, no tolerance, no tolerance for those things, zero tolerance. So what should you let in when you guard your heart? Here's, here's some things, the presence of God. This is what's gonna give you a better day, is the presence of God. Well, how, how do you let the presence of God in? Currently, I am practicing to be a blues guitar player. Uh, I will never play anywhere, but it's something I wanna do and I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. I've been doing it for about, a, 
year and a half and there's somebody in the church that's teaching me and it's kind of fun. But here's what I've noticed about practicing is that when you practice, you get better. Would you agree with that? And it, it, with guitar playing, it's, it's like sometimes you'll, you'll hit a roadblock. I just can't do that, can't do that. You practice enough and then all of a sudden, boom, you have a breakthrough. Sometimes the breakthrough is unexpected. But if you continue to practice, you'll get better. Well, wouldn't it make sense that if the most important thing in our lives is finding God, as the brother said earlier, the, the advice, that, that practicing the presence of God would be a positive thing for you? Would you agree with that? Well, the question is, how do you practice the presence of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you some ideas. Be intentional with the first part of your day. The first part of your day, be intentional. You know, do you wake up just full of sweetness and light? God bless you. <laughs> For the rest of us, when you wake up, discipline your mind to do this. Do this. It, it doesn't take a lot. You just wake up, lights on, and you go, uh, God, thank you for today. Because I know several things about today. Number one, you've been way out ahead of me on this day. Number two, there's nothing that I'll face today that you haven't already conquered. And number three, you love me more than I can imagine. Just that little, that, those little thoughts, first thing in the day, helps you to practice. Then, then you sense God's presence. Uh, or uh, maybe it's uh, during the day when there are disruptions or there's frustration, something doesn't go right. Use that as an opportunity to practice gratitude. Let me tell you something. When entitlement walks in, gratitude leaves. And entitlement is this idea that I deserve more than I have. And you do, but it's not good. <laughs> gratitude, can I practice gratitude? And as you practice gratitude, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've given me. Even in this situation, God, I'm gonna trust you on it. The presence of God, the presence of God comes into your heart and you have a better day. Uh, or uh, I like to uh, think about 30 second kind of God breaks throughout the day. Just, just 30 seconds. God usually speaks in a still small voice. It's hard to hear when the radio's on. It's hard to hear when the news is on. It's hard to hear when you're doing all kinds of things. And so in a 30 second period, just tiny, tiny periods of silence, it's God, I wanna experience you. I wanna be mindful of who you are and what you're doing in my life. And you begin to practice the presence of God. And what happens is you get better at experiencing God's presence and you have a better day. So the first thing you let in is the presence of God. Second thing you let in is the power of Christian community. I've already just alluded to this just a little bit, but it's so very, very important, the power of Christian community. You weren't created to do this alone. We have a, a church planting arm called the ARC, Association of Related Churches. Next weekend, we're planting over 30 churches in one weekend, if you can imagine. And it, it will put the number of churches over 800 that we've planted in the last 15, 20 years. And, um, and, so, and so I talk to pastors a lot. I'm gonna do, a, a, we're having a West Coast conference in two weeks in Los Angeles, Orange County, and we'll have a couple thousand pastors there. We have an East Coast conference, and it's gonna be here uh, not next year, but the year after, uh, that we'll have 4,000 pastors that we'll come to. And then, we, and then we host little events. I do this all the time of 10, 15, 20 at the most groups of pastors and be a two or three day event. We'll have some fun, maybe go fishing. And, and at night, we'll sit around a table and, um, 
and, and, and I'll, I'll do the same thing, and I'm gonna give you a little illustration that will help you because it helps create community. In fact, just four or five weeks ago, I was in Montana and had a group, and there were 16 guys, and, and um, only two of them knew each other. And so you know how awkward that is, kind of a little awkward, you know, you don't know what to say and all this kind of, so we're sitting around a table, and I said, okay guys, we just finished our, our what I call our family meal, and, and I said, uh, I, I want each one of you to take about 30 seconds for each, and I want, I want you to give me your high and your low right now. You can be honest, you can be in your church, your family, personally, whatever, high and low. Now don't preach, because they could preach for 20 minutes on it, they're all preachers. Just give me a high and a low. What, what happens, it's always the same, always the same. The first personal tool, you know, they'll share something kind of surfacey because that's kind of where we are at that point. And, and person number three or four, on their low, it's never on the high, on the low, will share something that's really from their heart. You know, this just happened in my family, or this just happened in my church, or this just happened in a relationship, or this is something that's going on with me, and they're, they're always kinda hesitant to share, but they share it. This always happens. Somebody over here will go, you know what? I'm going through the same thing right now. Somebody over here will go, yeah, me too. I'm glad you brought that up. Somebody back here will go, here's, here's something that really helped me, because I just went through that. Somebody else will say, why don't we pray for these three guys right here? And, you know what happens? Community happens. It just opens, opens it up. There's a connection that's deep that God meant to happen because here's what I'll tell these guys is you weren't meant to do ministry alone. And it's not just pastors, it's everybody. You weren't meant to do life alone. You were meant for community. In fact, when you're alone too much, assumptions go unchallenged. I call it spending too much time in your own head. How many of you have ever done that? Okay, you just, you have these assumptions that are unchallenged and they just begin to build and grow or when you're alone, you feel like you're the only one, you don't realize, no, there's somebody here and somebody here and somebody here and there's this guy or girl over here that has just recently gone through that and this is some encouragement that they have. And when you're alone, the problem seems insurmountable and so, and so you've gotta guard your heart and you've gotta keep out the wrong things. You gotta let the right things in, which is the presence of God and the power of Christian community. Do you have that now? Do you, you've gotta have it. I, I, I believe everybody needs to sit at at least one table, and I'm at several tables, with people who love you but are not impressed with you, okay? They're, we're not trying to impress one another. We just love one another. This is, happens to be... Um, uh, connect weekend at Seacoast. We try to do that right at, a couple times a year, and right at the first of the year, and also when school's starting back. And it's a time to get connected. And we've got all kinds of booths uh, in every campus that are small groups that you can connect to, every possible kind of small group you can imagine. But you need to understand something. I want you to take advantage of that, but I also want you to know that our value is not small groups. Because you can have good small groups, mediocre small groups, bad small groups. Our value is community, and I wanna challenge you to find that. In fact, if you're in a small group right now, um, I, I, I'd encourage you to take one week out of your study and put the book away. I don't know that I have the authority to do this because I'm not over small groups, but I founded this church. I can do anything I want to. So <laughs> I'd put the book away one week, 
and I'd do a high-low and see what happens. See what happens. See if we don't get some community. So, so let the power of community and, and then, you know, if you're stuck and you're having a bad day, the protection of a tr- trusted counselor, let them in. Don't stay stuck. You may be stuck in your marriage right now. Don't stay stuck. Talk to a counselor. I cannot believe. I mean, it just, it just blows my mind, and I've seen it many times over the years, where you've got a couple that are having serious challenges, and one or the other of them won't talk to a counselor. That's insane, is what that is. That's insane. Allow men. There are trusted counselors that can help you get off of stuck, all right? So, when guarding your heart, let these people in. Keep the wrong things out. The first thing you've got to do to have a a great day is guard your heart. Here's the second one, and the second one's so important because when you get the first one, you go, okay, there's bitterness, anger, I'm gonna be honest about it, but I'm I'm not gonna let it in, I'm gonna pick the weeds, I'm gonna get people around me that will help me pick those weeds, and I'm gonna get the right people, I'm gonna practice the presence of God. You get all of these things going. The second one derails you, and that's this. Zip your lip. (laughs) Anybody here have problems with your mouth? We all do. Zip your lip. Look, look, look what the scripture says. It says, keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Zip your lip. Anybody, anybody here ever ruined a perfectly good day by saying the wrong thing? Might have happened on the way to church today. That's why when I'm preaching, Debbie and I have a two-car policy. We can be fighting like hell in the parking lot and I can be bringing heaven here. You know, it's not good. It's not a good thing. I'm just being honest, being honest. (laughs) Does that give you hope? All right, so, in a perverse kind of way, right? I didn't say that in the other services. I'm sorry, we'll bleep that out for the the internet. All right. where are we at? Ephesians 4.29 <laughs> says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. How much unwholesome talk is allowable? Zero to- tolerance policy. Zero tolerance policy. But only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I used to think when I was a kid, I used to think, I got that one down, unwholesome talk is swear words. Not true. You can, you can be as clean with your swear words as you can be and be violating the daylights out of this. Now, there are other scriptures that, will, that are important to keep your language clean, but it's not this one. This is talking about unwholesome t- things that tear people down rather than build them up. Doesn't care what, matter what your needs are, it's for their needs. You say, well, what do you talk about then? <laughs> you might have to figure some new things out, okay? Um, James 1, verse 26 says, those who consider themselves religious... And, do not, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless, okay? It's worthless. In fact, he goes on, he says, all kind of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. You say, well, there you go. There's nobody else that can do it. I'll just keep, no, 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 no. That's why you need Jesus, okay? That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You just need to recognize, I have a tongue problem, okay? I can't deal with it, I need God's power to help me. It's a restless evil full of 
deadly poison. And here's what Psalm 141 verse three says. It says, so set a guard. That sounds like that first verse that we looked at. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. The writer of the Psalms, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Why is that important? Because that'll ruin a good day. You, you can get the other things right and destroy it with your mouth and with your lips. So how do you zip your lips? How do you set a guard over your lips? Let me give you three ideas. One, make a covenant with your friends. Let's start with your friends. Make a covenant and say something like this. Maybe it's at a small group. Maybe it's at dinner, at coffee or whatever. And say, I just want, I, I, I wanna say something to you right now. And that's this, I will never speak evil of you. I will never speak evil of you. I don't care what you do. I don't care what other people say. You need to know I got your back. I will never speak evil of you. Set a covenant with your friends. Here's the second thing. Be willing to make people uncomfortable by what you don't say. You ever been around somebody that makes people uncomfortable by what they do say? Well, this is the opposite. You ever been in a group where people are talking about things and people that they shouldn't be because the people that they're talking about aren't in the room, and if they're not in the room, this is probably not a solution session. This is a session that the zip, the lip thing works for. And you've got one person that won't say anything. And pretty soon it gets really, really uncomfortable. I challenge you to be that person, okay? You be the person that makes people uncomfortable in your group by what you won't say, okay? And the third thing is redefine loose talk as wicked deeds. Wicked deeds. It's not just a problem, it's wicked. In fact, you remember the verse, 141.3 Psalm, where he said, set a watch over my mouth. Look what he says in the next verse, verse four. He says, don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil. What's evil? It's the talk. It's the talk, evil talk. So that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. It's talk, it's talk. He sees how important that is. Zero policy for lame talk. If you're gonna have a great day, you've got to guard your heart, you gotta zip your lip. Let me give you one more. You're gonna like this one better. Although this one was good. How hey, you would agree, this was good. Three people over here, good. <laughs> All right, here it is, fix your gaze. Fix your gaze. How many of you have ever taken a carriage ride in Charleston, the city of Charleston? Anybody ever? Or, or been on a cart that a horse pulls? You ever, you ever done that? Anybody that comes to Charleston, pastors, friends, guests, they always ask me, what's the one thing that I should do in Charleston? I always say, take a carriage ride because I think it's probably the best thing you could do. And I, I don't know if anybody owns a carriage company here, but you owe me money for that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> this ride brought to you by Greg Surratt so he can buy a new fly rod. Okay, so, um, so why do, what, what are these called? Why do horses that pull carriages have blinders or blinkers on? They call them blinkers and blinders. Why? because they want to keep them from getting distracted by what's around them, and they want to keep them from being terrified or spooked by or panicked by what's behind the wagon. And so the blinders force the horse to look in a forward direction. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been panicked by what you see 
behind your wagon, have you? Maybe it's something relationally going on back here and you're kind of spooked by that. Or maybe it's a financial deal that's happening back here and you're kind of spooked. Or maybe it's a career thing or a health thing or maybe it's a hurricane. And it's behind your wagon. It's behind your wagon. Well, here's true. Here's what's true. What, 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 what is behind your wagon has either already happened or hasn't happened yet and probably never will. Uh, 500 years ago, a philosopher named Michel de Montaigne said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. <laughs> Would you agree with that? You know, that was just a funny statement for 500 years until recently, just last year, I think, they did a study about whether that's true or not. What they did is they looked into how many of our imagined calamities never materialize? So what they did is they had the people who were in the study, they asked them to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes didn't happen. And what they found out is that 85% of the things that people worried about never happened. 85%, you said, yeah, but what about that 15? Well, on that 15, what they found out is that a large percentage of the subjects discovered that either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning, which meant when they did all the numbers that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than fearful, your fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations. 97% of what you worry about is worthless. So if you're gonna have a great day, you're gonna have to learn to fix your gaze. Maybe you need some human blinders. It's, the Arnold has some here. If those are kind of weird for you, I looked through to find some stylish, there's some stylish ones right there. Maybe, maybe you need to invest in some of those. It, so, so here's what the scripture said, the proverb. He said, let your eyes look straight ahead. It, fix your gaze, say fix your gaze. Fix your gaze directly before you. So here's the question. If you're gonna have a good day, great day, you've gotta to learn to fix your gaze. What do you fix it on? Colossians 3, verse one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds, your minds, your eyes. Think about things above, not on earthly things, which are temporal, the things above are eternal. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Fix your thoughts, look straight ahead. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Let me tell you what I know about Jesus. Because of Jesus, your future is better than your past. What's ahead of you is better than what's behind your wagon. Okay, that's why you need blinders. Because Jesus, his sacrifice paid for your sin. I mean, every mistake, every careless word, everything you've ever done, will do, or are doing currently, Jesus paid for it. His death paid for your sin. And I know this, he promises to turn everything out for your good, okay? You may be having a bad day. I mean, there may be things going on that you go, man, nobody ought to, go through this. Here, here's, what I've, here's, here, here's what I'm learning, is that I'm very, um, 
I'm, I'm very slow to put a good tag or a bad tag on a day, on, on, on what happens. How many of you ever had something you thought was good and it ended up being bad? Or something bad and ended up being really good? Only way you can know whether it's good or bad is if you're omniscient, so why worry about that? Let's just not put the big tag on it and then weigh our mind down. And here's the second thing I know, is that even if it ultimately ends up to be a bad thing, God's word promises that he'll turn everything out for our good, even the bad things. Romans 8, 28, all things, say all things. All things, things, bad things, good things, all things work out for the good of those that love him. That's why Paul says, who had some days that I'd say bad, were bad in my eyes, he said, you know what? If If God is for me, who can be against me? That's how to have a good day, okay? Because because Jesus died for our sins, makes us promises that he'll turn out even the difficult things for our good. And then then here's something else I know about Jesus uh, is that he's preparing a place for you that's beyond description. That's what he's up to right now. You ever had a conversation where something bad had happened and somebody says, how you doing? And you say, well, Better than the alternative. You ever said that? It's not true. I don't care how good your day is. It's not better than the alternative because the alternative is heaven. I'm not saying that you ought to take your life. That creates a whole nother set of issues. But whatever you're experiencing right now, good or bad, it pales in comparison to what he has planned for you. The Bible says, there, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind could conceive the stuff that he's got planned for your future. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Fix your gaze. See, your only concern ought to be, am I in Christ? That's the only concern. Everything else is of no concern. Am I in Christ? See, the wisest guy in all the world tells his son that the keys to living a great life, having a great day, boiled down to three basic principles. Guard your heart, zip your lip, fix your gaze. What if we all took him seriously at that? What if all of us set a guard over what we let into our hearts? We kept the wrong things out, the right things in. We said, I'm not gonna have bitterness in there. I mean, it'll, it'll crop up from time to time, that's normal. I'm gonna get it and you help me look at it, okay? Make sure I don't let that spoil everything. I'm not gonna allow anger to destroy my day and everybody's day around me. Help me with that. What if we all did that? What if we, had, what if we, what if we kept, uh, invited God's presence on a regular basis into our lives or maybe we let people in, into community? What if we set a zero tolerance policy on lame talk, put blinders on so that we're blissfully unaware of what's behind the wagon? Do you think think that'd make a difference in the quality of your life? Well, I do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church, people that you've gathered together today. We're we're here to to seek you, to, to come after you today. So God, I pray that in the next few minutes as we process what's been taught, that you would help us to make commitments, to develop relationships, whatever's necessary in order to taking that next step to having a great forever. 
And so God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.